It's a person. It's a personality. Uh, it's a response to the Spirit. And it's, it's already present in your church. Uh, just in the same way that prophecy is already present in your church. Gifts of healing, they're already present in your church. Uh, are they manifested? Maybe a lot, maybe a little bit. But to the degree that we lean in, those things emerge. To the degree that we value things, they will emerge. And so uh, you don't need me to come to your church. You can invite me, I'll come uh, if my wife lets me. But I don't have to come to your church. I don't have to live with you. You, uh, you, don't, you don't need harmony to come over. I mean, you should probably try to. It, it, it could be really helpful. But you, you, don't need, you don't need Sam Lane to come and do an internship for six months at your place in order for these gifts to emerge. It's already there. Okay? It's already there. Now, you can, you can ask some people for help, and it would be helpful. You could speed some things up. But it's not like you need a special person to come because the Spirit of God is already in you, and it's in the people who come to your church. And so everything that God loves and everything that God is is already present and available in your church. And God is by nature a creator. So number one, my church, not that special. Something beautiful has happened. Number two, it's already present at your church. And then number three, I just want to talk to you about why you'd want to write. Uh, why would you want to write? This is sometimes, sometimes a, a question people ask me. Why write songs when there are already so many songs? Like we don't need them, you know? And can I tell you something? Uh, it's kind of true. There are already so many worship songs in the world, uh, we don't really need any more written. We don't. But, but here's my defense. Here's my defense. Songwriting at the local level... Let me frame it this way. How many of you have picked up on the fact already that I have a different accent than you? Yeah, right? Like, you guys all sound crazy to me. Yeah. Here's what's weird. Okay, so there's like this very distinct difference in my accent and your accent, right? And then if you were to come to the United States, people in the United States, not only would they recognize that there's a difference in your accent and my accent, but depending on where that person in the United States lives, they would think I sound funny. I'm, I'm a Southerner. And, and in America, they like to make fun of us, especially for the way that we talk, right? And it, there's so even, even within the United States, there's like this difference in dialect. And then even if you were to come to Kentucky, here's how weird it gets. If you were to come to Kentucky, I live in a, in a a county called Taylor County. If you were to come to Taylor County, you'd hear a lot of people who talk like me and maybe even a little weirder. And then here's, it gets so strange that I can recognize where someone is from based upon their dialect by county. If, if, someone, if someone is from Russell County, which is one county to the south of me, if someone's from Russell County, I instantly know it. They don't even have to tell me they're from Russell County. I know it. I'm like, hey, you're from Russell County, aren't you? And they're like, well, I sure am. And they say things like fight, not rot, winder, battery. And I'm like, oh, I know where you're from. And, and there's even, there are even permutations of dialect that are, that are different in Kentucky. Like people who live in the east of Kentucky in the Appalachian Mountains, they sound real different. And they talk like this up in here. Well, how are you doing? And I know right where you're from. I'm like, are you from Pike County? Are you from Harlan? And sure enough, right? And so one reason we'd want to write songs at the local level is because songs written at the local level, they're giving expression to local dialect. Uh, they're giving expression to local language. And how many of you know that language is, 
is it's it's highly contextual to the place that you live and language is is ne it's never merely the words you use but language is always connected to the larger story of the people who live there we could say a lot more about this but it's actually a really important thing like giving expression to the humans who occupy an area uh, you're always you're always drawing from that story that and by the way, the story has to do with the history, uh, the people, uh, the geography, uh, the culture. You're, 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 you're in, a, in one way, what you're saying is, is like, is God loves places, and he, he, loves, he loves this story. He loves these people. He, he, loves, he loves this history. There's, there's something that happened here. And, and I just want you to know that like songs written in London, songs written in London, whether, whether the Londoners are considering this or not, they're telling, they're telling us through their song something about what God has done, but also something about who they are. And it should sound different than songs written in Scotland. Like Scotland has a, there's, there's something in those people. You meet them, you're like, this is, these are different creatures. <laughs> these are different creatures. And what we want is, what I want, part of my dream for my church, but then part of my dream for Vineyard Worship, wherever I go is, is my dream would be that when, when I go to a church, that I'm experiencing the, the story, the history, the culture, and the redemptive processes of God in that people. Like, it should sound different when I go to your church. Like, if you come to my church, it's, it's a little different. It's a little different. Like, the th like, we do a lot of different stuff at our church, but one of the things that always comes through in our songwriting when we lean into it, there's always something in our songwriting that feels, it feels Appalachian, it feels, it feels like country music, it feels like folk music, it feels very low to the ground, it, it, feels, it feels different. It's not urban. Like, the, my, like if you come to my church, it's not urban. It, you, it won't feel that way. It feels like all the country people. It, it, feels some, it feels like, oh, something else has happened here, you know? And, and so why would we write songs in a world where there's so many songs? Because we're giving expression to the local dialect. Like, it, I, I don't expect you to change the way you talk when you interact with me. Does this make sense? I want you to be who you really are. Don't change the way you speak because you're speaking with me. And I'm not going to put on a fake London accent because I'm with you. That would, wouldn't that be weird? Like you guys would be like, who is this crazy man? Right? It's the same thing with songs. So we want to do it because we want to actually say to one another and to God, this is who we are. And this is another thing about local songs. Sometimes a song that's a 10 at the local level is like a six internationally, right? Like a song that just busts your church in half. Maybe, maybe you'd play it at some big conference and the room would be like, you should still do it at home. Who cares? Who cares? Like a 10 at home is a 10. Like the goal, the goal for writing it at songs from your local church is, is not that you have to write a top 10 CCLI hit. The goal for the songs written at your church is not that you need to reproduce another Build My Life. The goal is for you to say to God, this is who we are, and we're not changing the way we talk in order to encounter you.
You have made us like this. This place has formed us. Does that make sense? So, that's why you'd want to write a song. Here's what you need, though. If you want to write songs from the local church, here's just a few things you need. I'm going to do this, and then what I want to do at the very end is I want to give you like a process for actually harnessing this. So we're going to talk maybe, we're going to talk ethereal for a minute, and then we're going to get right down into practicality. And then there'll be a process, and then you can contextualize that. So here's what you need in order to write songs. Number one, you need the intention. You need the intention to write. And when I talk about the intention to write, I'm talking about you need the fire. Okay? You need the fire. That's, read for that passion. Like, you need to care. If you don't care, you'll never do it. You need, you need the fire to write. And I can say this, uh, that whatever you are on the journey of writing songs for, uh, your local body, in order to do this, you will need the fire. And by fire, I mean a gritty determination and desire to make something, to make something new. Like there needs to be this thing inside of you that wants to put something new into the world. If you're okay with nothing new, that's fine. You can still be a church. No one will judge you. But in order to have a culture of songwriting is you need the fire to make something new. When we first started writing songs in Campbellsville, all of our fire was rebellion. It was, it was the late 90s. Uh, it was the late 90s. We were grunge kids living in the middle of nowhere. Uh, we, were, we were hooped up on Kurt Cobain and, and, and Pearl Jam. And, and when, when we... We didn't even know about worship music, and then some people brought us some worship music, and they were like, hey, you should do these songs at your church, and I was like, no. <laughs> we played in, we played, we had like garage bands when I was in high school, and we, and we, we had this determination that we would do it ourselves. Now, this is, this is actually one of the earmarks of Gen X. Gen X is a DIY culture, like do it yourself all the time, like that's just part of what Gen X is about. Um... Fortunately, the Lord dealt with us and he started to remove the stick it to the man rebellion out of us and we became more harmonious with the wider culture. But part of what was in us that I think was actually from God was this zeal to put something new into the world and this fierce belief we could do it. So you have to have the intention to write. You need, you need the fire. I want to talk to you for a second about Jackson Pollock. Everybody know who, does everybody in the room know who Jackson Pollock is? It's the drip guy. You've seen those paintings? It's like the drips and splatters. How many of you have ever seen a Jackson Pollock in person? Anybody? I recommend it. I, I think there's probably, I think, I think there's one at the Tate Modern. Like maybe before you should go home, maybe you should go look at it. Um, what does everyone in the world say when they stand in front of a Jackson Pollock? Everyone says this. I've actually gone and stood in front of Jackson Pollock's and just like chill and then let a group come in and like stand closer to people than you should that you don't know and lean over and without, without, without any hesitation, someone in the group always says, what is this? This is famous? I could do that. How many of you know when you say the words, I could do that while standing in front of a Jackson Pollock, you're missing kind of a critical point here? The point is not, could you do it? The real question is, have you done it? The real question is, have you done it? And here's another question. 
would you ever even have the idea to do it if you hadn't seen him first? That's the real, that's the real point of Jackson Pollock. I actually think this is part of what he's putting back in front of us. There's, I think there's some other things in his work too. I think the, the chaos of his alcoholism is coming out. I mean, there's a lot of stuff there. But I think part of what Jackson Pollock is putting in front of us is, I beat you to the punch, right? I did something that everyone can do, but no one had thought of it, right? And so when it comes to writing for your local church, uh, I, I just want you to know, you need the fire, and, and, and you need the fire that moves beyond just, I want to do it, or I think I could do it, but you have to begin to move into, I will do it. I will do it. It needs to, it needs to draw you away from the theoretical and into the practical, Number next, I have no idea where I'm at. Uh, if you're going to have a culture of songwriting at your church, uh, you need space. And uh, this, this idea of space happens in a couple different levels. I'll just tell you this quick story. Um, I grow a little garden at my house. I have these, these planters. They're four feet wide by, by 12 feet long. I have three of them. So there's three little spaces. They're like raised planters. I built them. I'm very proud of them. And, and uh, for years, what we would do is we would, we would put tomatoes and like green peppers in one. And then I would put some spicy peppers and uh, some cucumbers in another. And then in the third one, there was all these, all these strawberries. And one, one day my daughter comes to me and she says, Dad, hey, let's, can we grow some watermelons? And I was like, Magnolia, uh, we grow strawberries, and then we grow tomatoes, and then we grow cucumbers and peppers. And she's like, yeah, I know that, but like, uh, can we grow watermelons? And I was like, well, babe, I don't think you understand, because like, we, we have this thing. We do these. And she's like, no, Dad, for real, I really want to grow watermelons. And so what I did is I went in, and I ripped, up, I, ripped up, I ripped up all the peppers and all the cucumbers, and we planted watermelons. This gets to the very idea maybe one of the most critical ideas around developing a culture of songwriting. If you want to have a culture of songwriting at your local church, you have to make space for it. You have to make space for it. Now, this is going to work two different ways. Number one, you're going to need space in your yearly calendar to write songs. So you're going to have to carve out something in order to make some room to write songs with a, with a handful of people at your church. That might mean that something you normally do in the summer, you're not going to do. You're going to have to remove some peppers in order to get some watermelons. Does this make sense? And it's, going to, it's actually going to be your schedule. Like you're going, to have to, you're going to have to put it on the calendar and go, guys, I know we used to do that fun trip to whatever, but we're not doing it this year because we're going to stay home and we're going to write songs. Or I know we used to whatever it is, but we're going to do this other thing. So there's one. But, but here's, the, here's the, the other one, number two, space. This works in a much more critical way. If you want to have a culture of songwriting at your local church, you have to play songs that are written from your congregation in your Sunday morning set. If, if songs don't make it to Sunday morning, you will never have a culture of songwriting at your church. And the first little sprigs, of, sprigs and sprouts of songs and songwriters that come up, if there's not room made on a Sunday morning for those songs, and by room I mean every single Sunday, if it's not every Sunday or most Sundays, the songs will die and the songwriters will die. And then we'll just go back to being a jukebox. We'll just play whatever's at the top 40 of the CCLI. 
you have to make space. At our church, at our church, the set list, we don't have rules, but we have some guidelines. This is my guideline to the worship leaders and the songwriters at my church. Every single Sunday, I want a, I want a song written from our church. Every single Sunday. Number two, I want a song from the wider Vineyard family. And then number three, I want to sing something from the wider church. And we've done this, we've done this for 20 years. And here's what's funny. At my church, we've never played a Chris Tomlin song. We've, pray, we've played exactly two Matt Redman songs ever. You, you would, I mean, like giant songs hardly make it in. And the reason we don't play, we've never played a Chris Tomlin, and the reason we've hardly ever played a Matt Redman song is because we wanted to sing our songs and we needed to hold some space. Does that make sense? Chris Tomlin is a lovely man. Matt Redman could not be sweeter, and he's genuinely good. Like, you should actually sing his songs at your church. Every culture is different, right? But here's the thing. If it gets filled up, if your set list gets filled up with Elevation and Bethel and Matt Redman, and all of a sudden there isn't any more room, it doesn't matter if you write some songs, it'll never happen at your church. If you make a record but you don't play them on Sunday morning, it'll never happen at your church. It will die. You have to make room. And when you start making room, part of what that means is you're going to remove something else that's good. Like I had to remove my favorite hot peppers out of my garden so that I could give my daughter some watermelons. Does this make sense? Okay, at this point, you've already recognized that you're gonna have some leadership conversations with your pastors and leaders. Yeah, and here's what you should ask for. You should ask for, hey, we want to journey into songwriting and over the next two and a half years, as we write songs, can we bring the best ones forward? And could we begin to move into putting one of those songs in the set every single Sunday? I, I bet your pastors would be pretty, pretty hyped about that. You know? So, because what, what we're not saying is don't do any of the other. We're saying, can we, could, we do, could we do less of the other so that we can make room for this other thing to grow? And it will. It absolutely will. Space is such a huge, huge thing. Um, you're going to need space. Number two Number three, I don't know. Number next, you're going to need community. Songs written for the community need to be written in community. Songs written for the local church need to be written by the local church. Um, one of the things that I hope you've noticed that at some point in your life is that we can always do more together. We can always do more together. We can, we can do more. It's really weird. Two people can do more work than one person in two days. It's, it, it's so weird. Like people, there's, there's something about community. It's a force multiplier for whatever activity we're, we're going on. And in the journey of songwriting, uh, you, you'll, wanna, you'll wanna do this in community. And this, this happens a couple of different ways. So in, in one respect, what you wanna do is you wanna gather a community of writers, even if it's small, even if it's just four or five people to write because there'll be encouragement. Because songwriting is actually pretty hard. It's difficult to do. And, and you'll persevere when you know there's other people doing the same thing. Because most of the time, uh, what hinders songwriters is uh, we'll start writing a song and we never finish it. We'll, and part of that is, is we need the encouragement of a community. Like there's something that happens when you know there's other people who are writing and we're doing this together and we have this goal and we're on a mission and we can do it. Uh, number two, I would highly encourage us to begin to, from the very beginning, to to, to co-write, like go ahead and, and just get over the idea that we have to do everything alone. Um, 
Uh, that's a long journey, and it takes a while to get over some of the awkwardness of co-writing, but, but go ahead and just pay that price up front as much as you can. Uh, there's nothing wrong with writing songs along, but man, I, I, just, I just find that there's something about writing in community for the community that's really, really wonderful. And I'll tell you something else about co-writing. Uh, it, it oftentimes works best in, in groups of three. Set aside times to write songs in groups of three. Uh, the wonderful thing about a group of three is when there's that extra person sitting there, you will feel like, it's like this pressure release valve. All of a sudden it feels like, oh, it's not all up to me. Like if you stop talking and then the other person stops talking or stops sharing an idea, if you kind of hit a roadblock, uh, it's really wonderful how often that third person has the next thing we need. Does that make sense? So it's just a small thing. Uh, writing in larger groups, don't recommend. You've heard the expression, too many cooks in the kitchen. That can happen, right? But it's, there's something about three. Two is good, too, if you're both free. If, in your heart, if you're free and you're open, two is great. But if you're, if you're new to songwriting and you're a little insecure, then I, I recommend three. Three is so, so wonderful. So you want to you wanna write together. Uh, and I'll, I'll just give you one more thing about co-writing. Uh, how many of you have ever been to like an improv class or, a, uh, or seen somebody talk about stand-up comedy? Anybody ever? Yeah. Here's one of the rules of improv and stand-up comedy. Yes and. Okay? In songwriting, in songwriting what I want in, uh, for everyone who's in the room is I want us all to have a heart posture of yes and. Um, as opposed to, no, I don't like that. So you don't want to be the veto person. Like even if the other person is putting forth an idea or a melody that you're not in love with, it's so much better to say yes and, yes and, oh yes and, yes and, rather than being like the person who's just sitting there going, no I don't like it, no I don't like it, no I don't like it. You do that about three times in a row and it's, that session is over, get up and leave. But yes and, have you ever noticed like, like, have you ever watched somebody do improv? Like, the, the joke will start, like, a little funny, and then it usually gets a little worse. And then all of a sudden, someone will yes-and themselves into the funniest thing that you, you cannot, like, how did we get there? We got there just by encouraging and saying, yes, yes, what about this? What about that? What about this? What about that? And the more free we are at sharing, something always pops through. It might take a minute, but something will always pop through, and it's usually obvious to us. So write in groups, probably three, especially if you're inexperienced, especially if you feel a little insecure, you don't have to carry the whole load, and let's have a heart posture of yes and. Yo. Mm -hmm. We'll talk about that in a minute. That's actually a great question. Because your question was, are we only going to start with the worship people or are we going to start broader? We're going to come back to that. Putting a pin in it. If for some reason I don't, put your hand up, okay? Yes. Um, here's the other thing I want to say about like writing in community. Uh, the community piece actually helps us deal with our insecurity. Um, everybody who's a creative, and especially everybody who's a musician... You, you, you have insecurities. Like, there's, there's nothing more insecure than a white boy with an acoustic guitar. <laughs> that, 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 kid has, that kid has daddy issues. I can say that because I, I have been that person. 
That's just a thing. And, and here's, here's what's weird. The only way to get over our insecurities is actually to move toward community. Like nobody can heal themselves. And as we pick up this work, not only do we do, not only do, do, we do the work, but the work has a way of exposing us and exposing our heart in, in a way that it actually, it opens us up to God's healing work in our lives in a way that nothing else will. I, I promise you this, on the day you share a song that you wrote with another group of people, maybe not even on a Sunday morning, but just that writer's group, when you do a song share, you are going to feel things that you have not felt before, and you will feel very naked and very afraid. <laughs> it's like the TV show. It's all of a sudden, here we are. Yeah, it's, it's amazing. But I, I just want to say, doing this together, it, it not only gives the church a gift, but you're going to receive the gift of like God's healing work in your life. There's no way around it. Okay, next. Seasons. You've got to make space. If you want to have a, a songwriting culture at your church, uh, you have to work in seasons. Uh, there, there is not a plant or tree that produces fruit 12 months a year. And uh, you are included. You are included. Now, here's the thing. There, there, there is such a thing as a professional songwriter. Uh, there are people who get up every day and they write songs, eight hours a day. Uh, there are people who write 10 to 12 songs a week, and they do it every single week, all year long, every year. Like, I have a couple friends who write, I have a, I have a couple friends who will write close to 250 songs a year. You know? But, but let me just say, that's, that's probably no one here. Those people are living at the, the edges of whatever it is. In order to have a culture of songwriting at your church, you have to work in seasons. Um, and here's what I mean by that. What you want to do is you want to set, a spot, set aside a, a specific amount of time during the year to write. And are, are people allowed to write in other parts of the year? Of course they are. Like maybe you get inspired during winter break around Christmas time because you have a little more Free time at home, you're just sitting by the fire and you write something. Yes, of course, that happens to all of us. But, but being intentional with a season is really, really important. Uh, most of us, especially as new writers, we do not have the muscle memory or the gift yet to extend that, that writing muscle beyond a few weeks out of the year. So... So we're going to learn something, but I, I, one of the things I've found is that we're going to work in seasons. I'm going to say more about that in a minute, but I just want to say that. Like, you want to make some space, you want to, you want to do it in community, you want to have the, the, the fire and the intention, then you want, to, you want to work inside of a season rather than being like, we're a church that writes songs, and we write songs all year long, every year, every day. Uh, that, you'll die. Don't do it. Don't do it. Uh, the next thing you need is you need, you need deadlines. So in the season, when it's season, you need deadlines. So when we start writing songs together, there are deadlines. I'm going to say more about that. But um, every human being at every job anywhere has deadlines. And here's why you have deadlines. Because if you didn't have deadlines, uh, we just wouldn't do anything. We'd be like, oh, tomorrow, you know. And this is, this is like ten times more true for artists and musicians. Artists need deadlines. Like, you just... Finished work is better than perfect work. It just is. You need a deadline. Seasons, deadlines, 
space. Those are the things. Okay, now here's what I want to do because we just have a few minutes left. There's so many more things to say. Uh, I, I want to give you a, a bit of a model that we've been using and I just want to say here's one way and then I'll maybe riff on a couple different ver variations of this model and then we'll pray and you can think about this contextualized for your home church, okay? So here's what we've been doing for essentially 20 years or 22 years in Campbellsville. Uh, we have a songwriting season at our church and it's generally in the summer. And it's generally in the summer because most of the time people are a little less busy. It's just a little, a little more chill. Uh, this year, though, we're going to be writing in October and November. Like, we normally write in the summer, but this year some stuff came up and we're going to write in October and November. Uh, we typically write two months out of the year. All right? Uh, so what we do is, my wife is calling me. What we do is we set aside eight weeks back to back. And we invite people into the group. So uh, at least in our context, uh, you need to be invited into the group. And I would highly recommend the first time you do this, make it by invitation only. Okay? Uh, later, you might open it up a little wider. That's okay. Uh, now in Campbellsville, we just kind of put it out a call. Like, hey, you want to write songs? Come on in. It's fine. But at the beginning, do it by invitation. And, and work with people that you know who have tried to write songs or maybe are songwriters. And then here's what I want to tell you about when you invite. Pray, and this comes to this gentleman's question right here. Pray and ask God if there's someone, if there's someone else in the church who maybe should be invited, right? Uh, the person does not have to be on the worship team in order to be invited. Like one of my best songwriters at the church is not on the worship team. Like Sam Yoder will never play on the worship. He's like, I don't want to do that. But Sam will come and sing. He'll come and, he'll come and write with us, right? And he's, he's the finest writer that I know personally, right? Like he's just, he's, in, he's insane. But he's like a doctor and he doesn't want to play music on Sunday morning. He's just going to show up to church with his kids. So invite the people that you think. But then before you push that button for send, pray. God, is there anybody else who's just kind of like a song person? A song person? Now, uh, the question that always gets asked at this point is, do you need to play an instrument? No, you don't need to play an instrument, but for your first song circle or two, I would make it people who can play an instrument. Otherwise, you're going to get some people maybe who sing pretty well, but it, you, it gets really complicated. There'll, there'll be ways to add them in eventually, but I would first work with people who can play. play and they don't have to play well. Like, all they need to know is like a C, G, D, E minor. One, four, five, six, you're good, you're in. You know, can you, can you play a, a root chord on the piano? Key of C, all white keys, just, can you do it? Yes, you're in, great. Um, so put that invitation out. Here's what we found. Group of, a group of like seven or eight people is perfect. Ten, maybe ten. Once you get beyond that, it gets a little unwieldy. And, and it only gets unwieldy because part of what we want to do in the songwriting circle is, as we write, we want to do a song share. And when you get more than 10 people, the song share moments get too long, right? So, so it's, it's good, like seven or eight people, especially initially, it's just perfect. And then you can song share and those meetings aren't too long and you can keep listening with fresh ears. Does that make sense? Okay, so you're gonna invite people. And then what we've done is uh, we write for two months and we write every other week. So every other week there's a song due. You have two weeks to write a song. 
you're only allowed to come to the, the, the meeting where we share the song if you write a song. If you don't write a song, we kick you out until next year. And at this point, someone always asks me, are you, are you being real? Do you really? Yes, we kick people out. We tell them, we love you. <clears throat> no one is mad. <clears throat> you really are busy. But this, song, this group is for, for songwriters, and songwriters actually write songs. So we're going we're gonna to take two months, and we're going to write songs. And if you can't write a song every two months, this, this group just wasn't for you. But maybe it will be next year. Literally, I'm not angry. We, it's that deadline thing again, right? We have to have a deadline. Notice that I didn't say it has to be a good song. Bring me a horrible song. Most of them are. Right? Like, bring, bring bad songs. It's fine. I don't care. And here's what constitutes a song for me. Um, at, least, at least a verse and a chorus. At, you can at least write a verse and a chorus in two weeks. Okay? Uh, what I oftentimes do is, especially for new groups, is we start writing solo. Because it just tends to be a little less insecure for people. The song share becomes more insecure for them, but the actual writing pre- process is a little easier because they're not mediating that with somebody else just yet. So every two weeks, and here's what we typically do. We typically start with just no prompts other than just write a a worship song, like something that you think that we'd want to sing for a Sunday morning. That would be like basically the only prompt. And then maybe the the next one, uh, maybe it would be a similar prompt. You know, just write another worship song, and we'll come back and listen. And then that third time we come around, usually I will... I will begin to mix it up a little bit. And usually what I'll do, especially in new groups, we, we don't do this anymore, but, but especially early on what I would do is on that third one, we would play some kind of a songwriting game so that the third song, we didn't write worship songs. Uh, like one year, one year I had everybody write a song title, just write a song title on a piece of paper, make it, wad it up, put it in a hat. And then we just went around the group and we all drew song titles and then we had to come back and write the song that goes with that title. By the way, this is the way that John Fogarty writes all of his songs and all of his records. Mr. Credence Clearwater Revival, you guys know that guy? John Fogarty, here's what he would do. He would write down, he would write down the title of the record he wants to make and he would write down, he would number it one through 10 and he would write the songs that are on this record and then he would go into his room and he would write the songs that goes with the titles for, those, for that record. And then when you listen to his records, you're like, wow, this is like the concept is, is there. Does that make sense? Yeah. Part of what people need is we just need thrown off balance. We need thrown off balance. One year, one year I had the, the group write Kentucky songs. The only, the only prompt was write Kentucky songs. It's not a worship song. It's just like a Kentucky song. It can be anything. You, everybody here grew up in Kentucky. Just write something. And to this day, they're the most beautiful songs we've ever written. Like the record I most want to make next is all of our Kentucky songs put together. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's really, really awesome. Like one of the guys, one of the guys wrote, this, I'll tell you this quick story. One of the guys, his name was Sam Crabtree. He wrote this song during the Kentucky session. And we were in Alabama. We were at Tuscaloosa, Alabama, which is like football you guys, I don't know. It's like, the, it's like the zenith of college football, the Alabama Crimson Tide. You know, roll tide. You know, it's, it's, just, it's a very big deal. And it, that whole town just hums with it. And we were there to do worship. We were like traveling. We were there to do worship. 
And we go into this college bar, and it's just packed with college students after this Alabama football game. And there's an open mic going on, and people are in line to go up and sing at the open mic. And we're there, and it's like, it's like 12 a.m., and we had gone in because we're hungry and we want a burger and a beer. And so we're, the rest of us are in line, and I look up, and Sam Crabtree is in line for the, for the song share. And everybody in the bar is mostly not paying attention. They're just, there's just, you know, it's people talking, you know. And Sam gets up, he grabs the house acoustic guitar, plugs it in, and he starts to play. And within 30 seconds, the bar falls dead quiet. It becomes a listening audience. And at the end, he got a standing ovation. I mean, this song like hits in the guts, right? It's amazing. Um, uh, one time we, we, we wrote songs about our mothers. Write a song about your mom. And then, and then the song after that, go back to writing worship. And, and here's one of the reasons we want to do that, because, because we just need to grow our songwriting muscles. We don't, we don't have to just grow our worship songwriting muscles. Great songwriters can write about anything. How, how many of you know that if Bruce Springsteen wanted to make a worship record, it'd be the best one ever? <laughs> it really would, because Bruce is, Bruce is the best. That's why. Like if Josh Ritter got saved and got less angry about God and he wanted to make a worship record, it would be the best. Like if David Gray showed up out of London this morning and was like, what must I do to be saved? I want to tell you something. David Gray would make the best worship record that any of us have ever heard. Why? Because he's, a, he's an incredible writer. And so what we want to do as songwriters is we want to grow our muscles. And so sometimes what we have to do is we just have to extend outside of the genre or outside of the style, and then we come back into it. We move out of it, we come back into it. We move out of it, we come back into it. We explore parts of our voice or our ability to turn a phrase or tell a story, and then we take that muscle back into our worship context, right? So you're going to invite a group, eight or ten. We're going to do it in a season. We're not writing all year long. We're going to write for two months. We're going to write every other week. This means that every, every person in the group is going to write four songs. If you don't come with a song, you're out till next year. Right? Okay. Talk to you about song share just for a second. Uh, when, when we have a, a song share moment, so we've written for two weeks, we come back, we get together. Uh, everybody plays their song. Here's what I want. I want everybody to make a lead sheet. Like make a lead sheet with the lyrics and the chords. Make it just like what's up here, you know? Just like on a Sunday morning. And pass it around to everybody and then what we ask people to do is just play your song and honestly play your song with, without much or any commentary. So, so we don't need your pre-hate. Oh, this song sucks and I suck and everything's bad. And, <laughs> like we don't need you to pre-hate it for us. We'll be the arbiters of that. No, but, but for real, just like we're just going to share some songs. It's really lighthearted. And then what we want to do is we want to, we, want to, we want to give some feedback to the person. And we have this rule. We have this rule for feedback. Uh, before there's any constructive criticism at all, there has, to be, there has to be three comments of positivity. Right? So in the group, in the group you, you, can't, you, can't, you can't like say what's wrong with it until you've said what's right with it. This is very important because oftentimes as songwriters and musicians, we don't know what we're good at. We, we, think, we think, a lot of times we think, well, in order to get better, I need somebody to tell me when I'm, where I'm bad. But actually the thing what, that you need more than anything else is you need, to t you need somebody to tell you what you're good at. And here's what's wild. 
the group will tell you, it will become very quickly obvious your strengths. Now here's what constitutes a song. A song is lyric, a song is melody, and a song is meter. And with meter, I, I, I put vibe, attitude, right? So lyric, lyric, melody, meter, and with meter is vibe. And here's what's true about every songwriter. Every songwriter is probably bent towards one of those naturally. And every songwriter will probably have a growth curve in the other two. So my friend Sam Crabtree, insanely strong in melody. He's like, he's like Brandon Flowers. He can just, he has these amazing things pop in his brain. He, it just, he doesn't try. Like I can play a chord progression that we've played a hundred times and Sam will sing me three things that I've never heard that, that, that are like beautiful. And it just happens like this. Glenn Yoder, Glenn Yoder, 100% lyric guy. He's lyrics. It's deep inside of him. There's poetry in him. Um, my, my, like, my strength is usually in the, in the vibe and meter. Like it needs to feel a certain way, right? I've had to grow in lyric. I've had to grow in melody. And, and melody is still like my weakness as a writer. It's still, it's still a weak area. And so what happens is when you do the song share, you, you're going to learn some things about yourself. You, it'll be obvious who in the group is strong in lyric, who's strong in melody, and, and whose songs just always feel cool. Like the chords fall at cool places, or they, they know how to put a push in it, and you're like, oh my God, it just feels so good to play that chord with that melody. You know what I'm talking about? Like some people do that so well. You're like, oh, I love that. I love that. Like I felt that when you changed, like something happened in me. And it'll become obvious, but it only becomes obvious because we're going to say three, three positive things before we ever say something bad. Okay, then at the end of the song share, uh, I'm going to take up everybody's lead sheets. I'm going to keep them. And we're not going to worry about that song for a while. And we're going to continue on. We're going to write for the next two months. After we finish writing for two months, we're going to take a month-long break, and we're not, going to, we're not going to think about those songs. We're just going to, like, do church and go on dates and take kids to soccer practice. Just, we're just going to live life. Then after a month, we're going to come back, and my question to the group is always this. What songs do you remember? What songs do you remember? And somebody will say, oh, oh you remember that in the second week, like, Erica sang that thing. Oh, yeah. And then someone will be like, oh, yeah, that's a strong song. So we pull that one. What else was strong? And so maybe, maybe let's say you have 10 people and you write for two months and all of a sudden you've got 40 songs. Okay? We're, we're going to think about the strongest ones. Probably, probably seven or eight songs are going to be remembered. We pull those first. We set the others aside. We don't worry about them. And then we, after that, we take a month and we edit and we edit absolutely together. Not always as a big group. We might take a song and then put three people in charge of it, the writer and a couple people, and we just, we just get... Ruthless is not the right word, but we become determined to see, is there any way we could make this song better? Again, we're living in yes and. We're not living in no, no, no. We want to avoid that as much as we can. We want to live in yes and. And so we take the song and we just say, what could we do to make this better? Like, is, like, oh, this song is really great. The verses are compelling. The chorus is compelling. But when we get to the bridge, I, 
I don't know. I, I kind of don't care. Okay, now we know that's the problem. Let's write another bridge or let's fix this bridge. Does that make sense? And so maybe we'll take a week. And so we do, we'll do editing and editing usually takes a month or two. You know, because it's just, it's more, this is happening on email a lot of times. Or, or we just, we'll send voice memos to each other. We'll make a little group, that, that, that little micro group is working on a song. And then they're editing, and then we're just, we're sending voicemail memos to each other while we play and edit. And then we're like, okay, we'll keep that. Now let's do this. Okay, I don't like, what about that one word in the second verse on the third, the third line of the second verse? That's weird word. Like, you did, you did the adore you before you rhyme. Can we not? Can anyone think of something besides adore you before you, grace face? Like, can, can someone deliver me from this? And someone will be like, oh, I know some rhymes besides grace face. And, and, then, you know, and then that'll be a voice memo and we, we put it in. And then we come back and we do another song share with maybe that, that seven or eight songs. And we just, all right, people, what do we think? And everybody's like, yeah, I'm these are feeling pretty good. And then we'll take another couple of weeks and we get away from them again. How many of you know that sometimes you write a song and you wake up the next morning and you're like, I don't know. Like it was pretty awesome yesterday and this morning, I don't know. Yeah, even after, as you're editing, sometimes you have to get space from it. Then we come back to it. And then what we do is we say, okay, which of these songs deserve Sunday morning? Or at least deserve a try, right? And then usually the group feels it, right? And then we just start pulling those in one at a time. And here's our goal always at Campbellsville. What we want to do is we want to, we want to do this songwriting season and this break and this editing. And the goal is that we would be writing four or five songs a year that will become the pillars that we sing for the next year. Right? And then we'll do it again the next year and the next year and the next year. And because of this, we've probably written five, five or six hundred songs. I don't know. We've written hundreds and hundreds of songs. Hundreds and hundreds. There's so many songs. And every single year, there, there are pillar songs that are brand new that we wrote the year before. And we sing them for a year. And then we, then we do the process over again, right? So that's basically, that's basically the, the vibe. Okay, a, a couple variations. Uh, one variation would be get yourself a group together, maybe eight, maybe 10, maybe 12, and just break them into songwriting partnerships at the beginning and go, hey, you three write together, you three write together, you three write together. And then the next two-week cycle, you three write, change the groups, change the groups, change the groups. Inside of that permutation, if you have some knowledge about one another, it's, it's very good. Like friends, like, fr- like try to capitalize on natural friendships. Friendship is such an important piece. Trust is such a big part of songwriting. And then also that other thing I was telling you about a, mel- a moment ago if you know that somebody's good at lyric and you know someone else is good at melody and someone else is good at vibe, try to put them together. Let them work it out. Like, let's, like, let's push on strength, right? Yeah. So that'd be like one variation. Uh, second variation. Uh, if you don't have time to do a whole two months or if you want to start smaller, why not, why not set aside some time in August this year and why don't you write two brand new Christmas songs for this, for this, for this end of November and December? Like, like the church needs Christmas songs. Like lean into, lean into the incarnation. Like why don't, why, don't you get, why don't you get that songwriting group together this August and why don't you give them, there's a little book from one of the church fathers. It's a guy called Athanasius. Anybody here heard of Athanasius? 
He wrote a little tiny book. It's called On the Incarnation. Have them read it. It will blow their brain and say, would you please write us? A, our goal as a group is to have two new songs for Christmas this year. And then go ahead and book the cello player. If you don't, the Anglicans are going to have that, that person booked and you won't have them. So book them now. Write the songs in August. And then go ahead and book the, vi the viola, the violin, and the cellist. You'll have like a string section. And then sing about the glory of the Word made flesh from your church to your church. You could do that. You could do that. Like, that's so doable. Why, what about this? What about next January, uh, get your songwriting group together and go, guys, let's write, let's write a new song for Easter. Let's write a resurrection song and let's play, it, let's play it two Sundays in front of Easter and then on Easter Sunday, let's rip the room in half with it. Let's study the resurrection. Let's study the implications of new creation. Like let's spend three weeks reading N.T. Wright. Let's go find him. He lives around here somewhere, I don't know. <laughs> Nick, Tom, where are you? Like go find him and, and, and put something into your writers in January and then and then see if something doesn't bubble up by the end. And then in February, you would edit it. And then by April, you're ready to like put this thing in and blow people's brains, right? You could do that. You could do that. Okay. It's been an hour. It's hot. Everybody good? Everybody good? Okay, let's do, let's do four and a half minutes of questions and response. Q&R. Q&R. Anybody, anybody have a question? And it's not question and answer. It's just question and response. Because I don't know that I have an answer. Yes, sir. No, usually no. Usually no. You can. So this gentleman asked, do we always give prompts for writing the worship songs? I usually don't, but you can. Uh, there have been times where we wrote uh, from John chapter 1. That was, that's been a prompt. Like, let's just, let's just open up the prologue of John chapter 1 about the majesty of Jesus. Everybody read that for two weeks and write something. Anything. It'll be great, you know? Oh, great. Uh, questions and response. Anybody else? Yes, back here. You know, there's, there, are, there are songwriting apps and some people like them, I don't. I just love voice memo. I think it's awesome. It works so good, and then like the notes app on your phone, I just think that is perfect. You just write and send it, and we just bounce stuff back, and you can actually like drop your voice memo into GarageBand if you want, and if you wanna make it a little more fun, you can, or not. Like, I, I, I actually think the Apple apps are primo. Mm -hmm. And everybody I know in Nashville who writes songs, like legit, that's all they do. So there's always that. Uh, other questions in response? Yes? Do you ever create space to re-edit after you sing them? Totally. That's a great question. The question is, do we ever make space to re-edit after we've maybe played it on a Sunday morning? Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Because the, song is, the song's never finished in some ways, right? Like, until you record it, it's not finished. And then after we record it, I'll change it again. Right? Yeah, so, so Sunday morning, like the congregation is the final writer. Like they're the final, the congregation is the most important instrument. We want it to sing, you know? 
And a lot of times a new song will take a few weeks to catch. And, and here, let me tell you something else too. When comparing songs written by your church to maybe something that's known, like when you take your song and then the song you play after it is Build My Life or like, you, you just have to know the congregation is not voting no to your song. What they're saying is, is there's one we know and one we don't know. Now, there might be problems with, there may be fatal flaws with your song, but it, like a lot of times we go, oh, that song is so anointed. It's like, no, it's not. It's just known. It's just known. And, and, and it, there is a learning curve for congregations to learn how to begin to l- grab onto new songs. Because if a congregation has only ever sung things they heard on K-Love first, it'll take them a little while to warm up to the new thing, but they will learn it. And when you introduce a new song in your church, I always say, do this. Just get in the mic and go, hey, hey, good morning. Welcome, everybody. We're so glad you're here to work, worship with us. This first song we're going to play this morning, it was actually written by people here. And we're so happy to share it with you. This is like part of our story. And, and we'd love for you to like not only listen, but to like sing because we think you're the final instrument and you're the final writer, right? I, we always let the congregation know that it came from us. Bless the right. I always say too on the, on the overheads, if you wrote a song at your church, put the writer's names at the bottom. Let people know. It's okay. Okay, any other questions? Yes, right here. Yeah. Yeah. Um, what I would do is you would just like, we, would, we try to like introduce, an, especially if it's a new song that we wrote, we'll probably introduce one every three or four months. You know what I mean? Because there is, you can only digest so much. And I highly value, just as a worship pastor, but as a pastor, I highly value repetition in the set anyway, because most people are only coming to church twice a month. Like your most faithful people are probably coming twice a month. So I want to play songs over and over. Like the band is probably sick of it, but like the moms and dads in the room, they just are now learning it. So even on the songs that we write, it's pretty slow go. And then even on the wider like Vineyard family songs or songs from outside the vineyard, I'm, re- I'm replaying those a lot too. Yep. How long did you let the Yeah, I mean, it's different every time. I mean, I'll let, I'll let something, if I, if I really believe in a song, I'll let it go for a while. Like months. I will, yeah. Because sometimes I just think this, sometimes I think the songs will say something and it's like, oh, it just hasn't, it hasn't been heard yet. Or, or we might be like micro-refining it. We might be making like little melody changes or little, little lyric changes. Or, or sometimes we're just taking a piece of the song and tagging it with another song. We're just always exploring, right? And then and other times you get into it and you go, you know, that song worked in the song share, but it, it just isn't meant for this place in this moment. And we cut it. But it's usually communal. We try to talk that out as a group, if that makes sense. Right here. Yeah, it's a real thing. Mm-hmm. 
They do. They just have a way. They just have a way. Yeah, no, no, your observation is right. Like, if it's supposed to go wider, it'll go wider. It just does. But I, but I think the note I'm trying to sound in, in terms of, like, our fascination with anointed and well-known is a lot of times we will diminish what we do locally over against something that, that we think is great. And that thing may be great, or it may just be that it's well-known. Like, you know, like it's just, there is, the, there is something there. And let me just tell you, there's a major machine working in the background to make songs go places. I could tell you horror stories. I won't. Okay, uh, let's do two more. Yes. Yeah. great. That's awesome. I mean, okay, so one of the things that we, now let's just go out of like local context. We'll go into like vineyard worship. I'll put my vineyard worship hat on for a moment. Uh, When we get our vineyard worship writers together, a lot of times what we'll do is we will, we'll do a big group write together. And these are all very experienced songwriters who are free and who know how to talk to one another, like a lot, all the things, right? But a lot of times what we'll do is we'll just, we'll have like maybe Annabeth or Tim Brown just like lead a song that we all know. Like we'll play pour it out and we'll just sing it together and then we'll just let that song land and then anyone in the room can sing whatever they want. And on our latest record that we're about to put out this summer from the U.S., two songs were written in sort of this prophetic flow. Uh, our so- one of the songs that we released a few years ago, Sons and Daughters, uh, that was a complete spontaneous moment that happened in Oregon. So that's good. But here's the thing. Don't just do that. If you do that, you will, you, will, you will not grow muscle memory for writing in your writers. They will rely on, they'll rely on it in a way that will shrink their, their writing muscles. They'll, they'll, grow the, they'll grow prophetic writing muscles and then their, their ability to persevere through things that, aren't, that don't feel inspiring or through seasons that don't feel inspiring will shrivel up. And that, that muscle is really important too. So I love that idea, yes, and... Yes, and. One more. Anybody? Uh, yeah. I know you said to maybe start with teams who can play an instrument. Mm-hmm. Some of them don't want to write songs. Some of them like write poetry and stuff. But how can you move poetry into melody? Right? Yeah, okay, so you can do this. I'll just, yeah, so the question is, what do you do if somebody doesn't play an instrument, but they, they're poetic? Okay. There are other forms of songwriting that are, that are not native to us in the vineyard, I'll just say historically not native to us, but that are growing and are very normal in, in the, the traditional commercial world. And so this kind of partnership would be very good for someone like this, okay? So here's what happens. Um, like Tay-Tay, Miss Taylor, Miss Taylor. Like when, when Tay-Tay goes to write a record, Tay-Tay's got her producer and probably a piano player in the room. And the piano player and the producer are building the track while she's singing. Like Taylor's not singing. She's not playing anything a lot of time. 
Taylor can play some guitar and Taylor can play some piano, but a lot of times what'll happen, and Beyonce works this way as well, like pop music is really this way. So you could, you could even set something up at your church. If you have somebody who's really good in Logic or, or really good in, in Ableton, and then you have like somebody who's a really fantastic piano player, and usually piano works a little better than, than guitar in this setting. You get someone who's a fantastic programmer, like somebody who can build drum, who could build a drum track as, while you're going. And they might even build you a, like a drum loop and then they push play and it's looping. It's And then your piano players. And then you're like. And this is literally, this is, this is the way songs are written. And you'll walk around the room. You're just walking around and you're like. And then someone goes, that last thing, sing it, sing it into the microphone, and then the track maker keeps it, and then someone else is like, well, what's in your heart today? And they're like, I just want to sing about God's mercy. And you are merciful, merciful, merciful God. And then all of a sudden, you go three hours later, and you have an entire thing made, and you just made it up. It just came out of nowhere. That can happen, but it's way more collaboration, and the person who's not playing has to be free. You, you have to be free. This is so hard, but you have to be free, and you have to be willing to feel stupid in front of people, which once you get there, it's fine. Like, like I'm not a good singer, and I just don't even care. Like, when we get in these flow moments with, like, with some writers and stuff, I just, I'll just go there. I mean, I'll sound like a cat in the corner, but I know when we find it, when we find it, we found it. So it's like the opposite of what you're talking about. There's like, there's like the prophetic, like, let's sing something. Let's like get in the flow. There's that. And then there's like this other thing, which is like, it's similar, but different. It's like, it's kind of the opposite side of that same coin, right? That can happen. But you'll have to, if you're the worship leader, you're going to have to build for that person. You're going to have to go, okay, could, could the programmer come? And could the piano player come? And can, can everybody be free and be committed to yes and? Okay, everybody good? Okay, can I pray for you? Father, you are the ultimate creator. You're the ultimate dreamer. You, you, songs live around you, God. And we ask that in this room, in this room, God, we ask for lyrics and we ask for melody and we ask for new songs. God, we ask, we ask for things that have not been done. God, we ask for songs that sound like congregations. God, songs that sound like neighborhoods. God, we ask that the songs from these different churches, that it would feel like them. God, we, we would like to sing to you in our local dialect, and we ask that you would give us courage. God, we ask that you'd give us strength. We ask that you'd give us space. We ask that you'd give us the anointing. We ask that you'd give us the heart. And God, would you give us the muscles to collaborate in a way we never have. And God, would you give us the courage to start doing things on Sunday? God, would you give us the courage to do some things on Sunday? Lord Jesus, Lord Jesus, we release people to write and to create. We release it. God, we ask for records to be made at local churches. We just ask for records to be made at local churches. I just want to tell you, you, you need no one's permission to make a record at your local church. It's never been cheaper. Just do it. 
Lord Jesus, would you do it? And would you do it with us? Amen. 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 High fives. Hey, give somebody next to you a high five and a hug. The mass is in to go in peace.